0: and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started.
1: My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to once again, tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show is from the field, which means we take you to those places where you have those aha moments and mastermind meetings that bring you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. This does not happen in a $25,000 soundproof studio. It doesn't happen in an office, and it doesn't happen when we uh, have to maintain our media poses looking directly into webcams. In fact, you might hear a bird chirping, a car driving by, a little bit of ambient noise coming from the next table from doing this from the cigar shop, which I do sometimes. Because these are the places where the magic happens. It's when you get out of the office and get out into where people are and where the inspiration happens that the big changes happen. And we want you to have a big change today. That is leads us into today's topic, which is about the new economy. People are thinking, "What does he mean by the new economy?" Well, we're going to discover what the new economy of the 21st century is, as defined by our guest. And among the things you're going to discover is why this new economy is no longer currency or dollars. So I don't get to stack those benjis anymore. What's up with that? All right. Hopefully, I can be persuaded here, but let's find out. Our guest name is Sharia Stallings. I've been having some great fun in the green room chatting with her. She's been retained as a thought leader, business strategist, and keynote speaker for several organizations, traveling and teaching both nationally and internationally. Her professional career spans over 20 years of attracting and retaining business while maintaining a portfolio of over $400 million. She's the founder and manager of She Soars LLC, a transformational leadership and professional development organization that helps women identify blind spots to create barriers to their success. Motto. She laughs, she plays, she thrives, she soars. And up until now, Sharia has trained over 1,500 entrepreneurs and small business leaders and currently runs a transformational leadership program that has over 120 leaders enrolled. She's naturally optimistic, a lover of people, encourager, supporter, and as I found out a moment ago, a fellow allorophile, which for those of you who don't know, means cat lover. Sharia Stallings, come on in, the weather's fine.
2: Hey Adam, thank you so much for having me. I am so loving your energy.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh having read off your official bio, I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here and your presence. And this is my show. So before we get into this new economy, you gave me some points to cover in our conversation, which I really look forward to going through. What we like to do is ask our guests to tell us in their own words, take us on just a little bit of a trip here and tell us something about what happened in your journey to bring you where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much, Adam. And so how would I, I'll start this way. The pieces of my life or rather my life experiences, I would say just all to, came together like a perfect symphony. So you have your orchestra, you have your altos, your sopranos, your bass, your baritones, that all the pieces in my life, all these puzzle pieces, all just came together in perfect harmony. So what am I saying? Um, My 20-year career, over 20-year career in business development, my love and passion and working in women's ministry over the last... Twenty years, as well as being a cancer survivor, I had um I'm a survivor of cancer um from my from uh, at the age of twenty nine years old, and then ultimately being a lover of people, which um I've been coined the cheerleader in my early twenties. Have all those pieces have came together, Adam, to bring me where I am today, and just to clarify, when I talk about being a cheerleader for my family, for my people, for ministry, for my community and the world around me, is not just about the enthusiasm and the pom-poms and jumping up in the air. Cheerleaders, I am an encourager and a supporter. And cheerleaders recognize the potential and the winner and those that they are rooting for even if it has not manifested itself in life or on the scoreboard. They don't lose their enthusiasm when their team is down. They do not quit. Cheerleaders are change agents and rebels with the cause. Passionate about improving their environment. And what I love that's so amazing, Adam, that I am most excited about is that the squad is large enough and it has room for everyone, male and female, but there are qualifications. You must believe and have a, a determination to fight for your cause. And most importantly, we must all put the work in. So I, I'll, I'll stop right there, Adam
1: well, that's still a good direction to go to begin with. So I am very curious about your definition of the new economy. And I'm just going to let you tell us.
2: And so usually when we hear economy, we're thinking revenue, money. We're thinking about stocks. We're thinking about, bottom line, you're thinking about your pockets, how deep it is, right? And I'm here to say that The new economy doesn't have anything initially to do with money, does not have anything to do with your bank account, but what drives it. And so what I'm here to speak about and tell you that we live in a relational economy is all about relational brilliance, relationships are the new economy, that is the key to drive your success in business, in your career and life. And I am a firm believer. I, I remember even as a young girl, the saying that there's 6 where six degrees of separation, meaning uh-huh. that the person that you need to meet or that can help you go to the next level is six degrees or six persons away because of the internet and social media, I really think that we're only two or three degrees of separation away from that person that we should connect with and develop those connections to grow, to be successful. And so that's that's, that's where I'll stop there. Relationships, relational brilliance is the new economy.
1: Over the course of my professional career uh, during first those four years I worked for a company and the past 19 in the entrepreneurial space, it seems like the one of the, at least one of the things that has progressively improved is the reduction in degrees of separation between myself and the cast of grumpy old men. <laughs> it used to be six as a result of uh, my connection to my supervisor at the place where I worked. Then it became, I think, three as a result mm-hmm. of a, a friend I made uh, my first few years in business. And then two year, or three years ago, it came to the point where it's like one degree of separation because of uh, turns out a friend of mine was uh, a set designer for the movie Grumpy Old Men. So he knew the entire cast.
2: Wow. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. The 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 internet also has made the world smaller and smaller and smaller and made it so much easier for us to connect with you know with that someone.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily require a mass audience. I mean, I didn't have to go go to the throngs of people and 100 networking meetings to achieve what I just described. It's just simply a matter of people I ran into in the dork in the due course of the life I was leading anyway.
2: Absolutely. And and you mentioned something about um, the networking meeting, right? I even have a theory behind that. Usually, I don't use the word networking. I use the word net
1: weaving. Well, Gee, that's funny. That was going to be my next question. (laughs) Son of a gun. It's almost like we planned this. So I've heard about you using this term net weave. And tell me how it differs from the term networking. Because I'll sooner watch paint dry than go to a networking meeting most days. Go ahead.
2: You and I are both the same. And so usually what happens, you hear there's this networking meeting. Person gets excited. You know, they they stack up their business cards or, you know, they have their digital business cards on whatever electronic device they're carrying, have at the moment. And they're going to this event to introduce themselves to Everyone in the room, or at least try to, to get them to sign on. Yes, please do that again. <laughs> exactly. A total snore to get them to sign on or to to sell, to get more business, to connect. And the women that I work with, that I train, that I coach in, in my workshops, I said, we're going to try a different approach. We're going to net weave. We're looking to connect, really connect. When you go to this session, you are not to talk about yourself at all. Your goal is to introduce and con- yourself to people, find out information about them. Why are they there? What have they created? What are their dreams? What are their passions? And in that 15 minute, 10, 15 minute conversation, If you can help them or support them or connect them to someone and and connect them to someone, then you do that. So, one, if you cannot, if you don't have anything in common or you can't support their business, but you know someone who can, then connect them with that person. If they compliment what it is that you do, then schedule another time to have tea or coffee with them and then you know, take the conversation online to see how you can build and how you can create from there. But do not say anything about yourself unless someone asks. Adam, I tell you, is like, I, I would rather watch paint dry when <laughs> someone introduced themselves to me and ask me what it is that I do or why am I here? Oh. And all I know is that they're just looking for that lead in so that they can take over the conversation and then tell me how wonderful they are. So the net weaving is about building authentic, genuine relationships where you can really connect and build from.
1: Okay. So years and years ago, I... Didn't I ran out of business cards very early on, and I uh, was supposed to go to some seminar. Couldn't get any business cards printed in time. So, rather than use it as a negative, I decided to say, "Well, I don't need business cards." Mm-hmm. Son of a son of a gun! I ended up uh, provoking a conversation. So, brought the nexus of energy toward myself and like, what is this guy thinking? Does he have an idea here? And I was kind of a greenhorn at the time, so I probably expressed a sentiment that was very similar to what you just said. But mm-hmm. it probably didn't sound nearly as elegant. So <laughs> let's fast forward. Uh, I was at a seminar again about six years later. I used to go to a lot of seminars back in the day when I used to travel a lot, and it was that same thing. People come to you say, "So, uh, what do you do?"
2: Exactly.
1: And I and I and I bet <laughs> made a bet with myself to see if I could get through that entire seminar, all the networking sessions, and all the hanging out with people in the cocktail lounge and all the side parties and everything without once answering that question. Hmm. I succeeded.
2: Wow.
1: I, I discovered, impressive. I discovered that I already had the skills to very subtly and very smoothly turn the conversation around to get the person talking about themselves. Correct. And what the part I didn't say out loud is it doesn't matter what I do. It, 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 it doesn't matter because until I know how I can be of service to you, how what I do can impact your business in your life, it's like so what? So me tell so me telling you answering that question as you said, uh, they may be listening to answer looking for that hook so they can jump in with their own thing. So fast forward again to when I first joined the Rotary Club and they they, yeah, I had to buy my badge for the meetings, pay $17 for this. And I had to pick uh, not my, they don't publish like the name of your company or anything like that on the badge. You have to identify your profession, which I already, th- which I already think is a good move and, and you'll see why in a second. So at the time I thought I'll put uh, consultant. So, you know, what that leads to a lot of people walking up to me looking down at the name badge and saying, Oh, so uh, Alan, uh, I mean, Alvin. I, I, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> Adam, uh, what kind of consulting do you do? Well, I was a little feeling a little less elegant because I was at a networking function and already see circles mm-hmm. and uh, yes. said, doesn't really matter what I do till I know what you need. I got really tired of this really fast. It was worth $17. Due to a fortunate happenstance in my life that happened just shortly after I joined the chapter. A few weeks after I joined the chapter, my book, Groundhog Day is an Event, Not a Business Strategy, hit the virtual bookshelves. Came international mm-hmm. Amazon bestseller in some category in three countries.
2: Congratulations.
1: I changed, mm-hmm. I changed the, I paid another $17 to have the badge change. And instead it says, it says, author slash speaker. So now I can get that same phenomenon of, oh, so you're an author. What's your book about? Yeah, I'll tell you about my baby all day long. So now I urge other people to look at. Instead of putting themselves in a situation to answer the, what do you do? Uh, Write a book, uh, host a podcast, do something so that you can use that to use your own hooks to get the people to get the conversation shifted back to the other person as quickly as possible and get them telling you about themselves.
2: Absolutely. And people love also to talk about themselves, fortunately or mm-hmm. unfortunately, depending on what lens you look at it from. And this right. said something that was that really like triggered me in a good way when the person asks, or when people ask, what do you do? It doesn't matter what it is that I do until I know what you need. And so even in that conversation, that's where the net weaving, we're saying the same thing, Adam, that's where the net weaving come in at. I need Uh to get to know you. I have to see if I know, like, and trust you. And Uh then to see that if we're on the same playing field, integrity, ethics, you know, to see if we can go to that next level. Most of the time when people are, once again, asking that question is usually because they're looking, initially looking for that way in. The best thing to do is to turn it back around and to find out, to really know what, what people dreams and ambitions are, ambitions are, and to see how you can be a part how to be a part how to be a part of that. And I also love what you said about if you you have a podcast, you're an author, now you have something to also to also lead with to see how the person know upfront, oh, now I see how this person can be of support to me as well. And it becomes a um you can lead in with that. There there's the discussion starter. There's that that conversation piece.
1: I'm still not having to tell you what I do. I'm telling you about my book. I'm telling you about my podcast. I'm telling you about my bungee jumping expedition, whatever it is. But I'm still not answering that question of our consulting firm helps CXOs reduce their retention metrics by 13% in a six-month period, thereby saving $328,431. So what?
2: Yes. And you know what? And, and we and you know, if people have to get that. We have to get that, right? We yeah. have For, to first, first, get yeah. that.
1: If that, if that's if that's what my consulting serves, I need to know first of all that they are a CXO or have a CXO's ear that they feel that employee retention and turnover is an issue that's costing them time and money, and that they would like to reduce the turnover, and increase the retention over a six-month period, and would be interested in putting six figures back on their bottom line. I got to know those four things before me giving my elevator speech is relevant.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. A business, how do a business sustain itself? It either increase their profit margins or reduce their operating expenses. And so now, what when it comes to business cost optimization, what is important for them at that moment?
1: Yeah. Okay, I'm supposed to, according to the people who tell me what to do, I'm supposed to ask you about that game Connect Four or something. Uh, And you know what, for some reason, because it's number three, and I feel like you have a method here. I just, I feel, I'm feeling like there's a a strategy here, and I kind of want to honor that and stick with it. So we're going to be a little more formulaic with you because you are showing us formulas. What is Connect Four? And yes, I know it's a game. What is Connect Four? And why is it so important to the new economy?
2: So once again, we're going back to the new economy is all about relational brilliance. How do we build? How do we build? How do we become intentional? and building those genuine relationships. How do we become intentional and build and being authentic when we meet someone? And so I thought about Connect Four as a little girl, my grandmother and I, that was my grandmother's favorite game, by the way. And we would play this and you know how the game goes, you know, Connect Four, you either you win the game by getting your checkers either four cross vertically you know you go down up down or diagonally and I use that in terms of how you should build relationships so the four across represents relationships at the peer level people who are like where you are your, your peers you're working in pretty much the same genre and you know you're networking you're net weaving the the vertical, the vertical represents those, I'm going to call them mentors. People that are in positions or they're in places they achieved a level of success where you aspire to be. And so you need to connect, have that vertical connection. And now going down is that as we, move up as we succeed in business or whatever it is we do business, our careers and life, the, the going down, the four down represents those relationships that we need to be intentional. We have to be intentional about reaching down Mm -hmm. and helping someone else, paying it forward, helping pulling someone else up from, you know, just reaching back, reaching back, giving back, mentoring, helping others. And then the other, which I think a lot of people, some people miss, is the diagonal. The diagonal relationships are those outliers. People think that if they are, let's say, if they want to write a book or let's say if they are a content creator or a marketer or a finance person then they or they're an accountant and they want or a CPA and they want to start their own accounting firm that they may only network with other finance people or you know join the national association of certified public accountants but the outlier is about joining associations connecting with people let's say you may connect with join an association of women hair salon owners. Okay. Because guess what? They all need CPAs. They all need to do their business taxes and their personal taxes at the end of the year. So instead of you just staying in a, uh, an association where you're all doing the same thing and competing in the same pool, become intentional and focus on those outliers because that's those relationships in my experience have been very rewarding personally and in my career. And so that's the connect four across your peers, vertical up, um, people, where you're aspiring to be connect with those um going down reach back mentor pull someone up and then diagonal are your outliers
1: wow that makes me think of connect Four in a certainly new way i was just uh i'm just trying to find my my way to kevin bacon uh, the 6 <laughs> degrees separation uh, ba- ba- based on how based on how i got there the first time I have no doubt that I'm probably within six degrees of him about 150 different ways. But uh, that's that's a separate conversation for if we have time at the end. And I'm not sure if we will, because I know there's a few other great things you want to share with us here today. And uh, you described for us the Connect Four formula and its importance to the new economy. But is that the same thing as the steps of building key connections? Or is there something more you have to add on that topic before we move on to the next thing?
2: Well, Adam, I really do believe um, these are just certain things that I've lived by along the way that have um, been fruitful for me. And I really look to seek it to build genuine relationships by developing mutual respect, trust, understanding. And this happens by sharing something about yourself, asking for help. I find at times... um, technology have made this era a bit impersonal and sometimes you will see it in exercise like um i think it's so important to also communicate you have to come from behind a computer there's still there's still a lot of value in that face to face connecting there there's a lot of value in that the the next point um i i And very because we live in a world that is sensationalized with images and airbrushing and putting your best life on social media, to is to look beyond perception and to seek the truth that perception is not reality. And the old saying, not to judge a book by its cover, that we have to dig deep, we have to fish deep. To, we have to do some deep diving to really discover that hidden pearl, that hidden gem. And so, my third point, and I have five, is that um, I have dedicated my life to becoming a resource for others without any strings attached. I don't live my life by quid pro quo you know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. If I can help you, then I am going to help you. I am here to be a resource for others. And my fourth point is to remain appreciative and remember to say thank you. It goes such a long way when someone has been genuinely nice to you and have done something for you to not forget to just thank you. And then lastly, yeah. we I, I said re- ultimately relational brilliance, is about really tapping into who we really are. I am a firm believer that we gotta have to continue to dream great dreams, pray great prayers, plan great plans, and really step out on faith and to jump to do the things that we were called to do. I'm a firm believer of following my calling and not the crowd.
1: Yeah, if we're making sure to thank people, can we do us a favor and have it not be on some committee email list where everybody's on the the two line or the cc line that doesn't even belong there and everybody has to chime into every email and say great awesome thanks
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely and i i i
1: i'm I'm asking for humanity because yes because once that goes around then people have to thank others for thanking them and then eventually you have the person that comes around and says you know we should have a mailing list with our names, email addresses, and phone numbers on it so we can all get a hold of each other whenever we need to. And then everybody replies to all with their numbers and email addresses, even though it's an email and they already have the address. And uh, And then everybody thanks everybody else for sharing everybody else's information. And eventually, I just delete the whole chain. And if there was anything for me, tough. <laughs> <laughs> The, 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 the syndrome of the reply all, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have this happen with, uh, with work groups I belong to and clients sometimes. And they'll come back to me and I'll say, you know, we didn't hear from you at all on that issue. And I said, I was on the CC line for all of it. It was for my eyes only. You weren't asking me to contribute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's a reason why there's a two and a CC. It's true.
2: So true.
1: So you true. Want, if you wanted something for me, I should have been on the two line
2: absolutely absolutely
1: and even and even then it's only if i have something to give but i just wanted to bring that up half facetiously because it raises the point before we get into another interesting slide of language that you're going to share with us That when it comes to this this networking stuff and building key connections how much of it is actually false and pro forma that was that is a ritual Designed to create a reality, regardless of whether the reality is there or not, and when you do that, does that actually get in the way of building connections?
2: Um, I'll, I'll I'm gonna take a step back and say this, and it was a conversation that.
1: Please do. I was having with my daughter. You can do a two-step and a three-step and she as well.
2: Said, <laughs> then I'll need a beat. I need some music. All um, right. So <laughs> I'll play.
0: I'll play you yeah. out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so my daughter we were talking about just the whole emotional intelligence and personality and she's young girl just graduated college and she said something that i was that was really profound you know for me and she said mom being nice is performative i'm looking for people who are genuinely kind yeah because on the surface you know you're you're smiling oh thank you going back to your point the email chains to say thank you and I I'm I may be dating myself I I am old school I still believe in sending calls and writing handwritten letters to share and show my appreciation but on the surface we can be nice but then once again if the back if 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 the motives behind it is about the quid pro quo. I want to be seen. I'm setting this stage for myself. Then you're really not being kind. You're being performative. Uh And it was something else that she said. um, And I've never forgot this because it was actually her college essay when she was 16 years old, um, getting ready for college. And she wrote that she was a thermostat and not a thermometer. That when she step in the room, she don't adjust to the temperature of the room. She changes, it. Oh. And that not to conform to, you know, once again, my saying of not to follow the crowd, but to follow your calling. And sometimes you may not always be that popular. But once again, I'm still talking about relational brilliance, by the way. We we did we really didn't uh-huh. leave that. But it's about we 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 have to be thermostats. We can we have to be able to pivot the, the world have shown us in these last past two and a half years that we have to be able to pivot when things change and we have to be able to move The way the world moves and when life happens, but it's not about Adam. To your point, we have to move past being performative. Yeah, and it has to be genuine. And I think it. Yeah, I'll I'll stop. I'll stop right there because then we'll be turning this session into counseling. You know. Yeah, we would we we would be
1: (laughs) we would be heading (laughs) there because I was I was thinking about um in um in in families you see this sometimes with. uh, with older generations trying to push the middle-aged cousins to continue to send each other twenty dollars on each other's birthdays which is just absurd <laughs> um and uh and, and, then, and what and what universally happens because i've spoken with so many p- friends of mine who've been in similar situations that eventually that generation just gets together and says you know we're not doing this anymore it's dumb mm-hmm. it, 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 it like it comes to a point where certain holidays really are for the kids and I, think that, and I think that's a beautiful thing because mm-hmm. what a, a child sees through their eyes and what an adult deals with are sometimes two different things. And children and adults have different ways of relating to each other and connecting, networking, or as you say, net weaving, uh, playing connect for whatever it is. Like, oh, there's a good one right there. A kid mm-hmm. playing connect for versus an adult playing connect for. You're going right. to get two different results.
2: Right. <laughs> exactly. 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 And guess what? and one is trying to win and come out on top yep and the other just want to actually connect and enjoy they're enjoying the time and the fun that they're having regardless of the result
1: right now let's take now let's take this uh to another level i wanted to finish my point here so mm-hmm. we have these pro forma rituals which are designed to create the appearance or create the outward framework of connection, but may actually be disconnected from the actual connection. And I just gave you that example because it showed how the actual connection got together and said to hell with this fake piece. We don't need it. We don't want it. Uh, Let's take that into the office. You have meetings to plan meetings to have discussions and create workflows because some administrative assistant put senior management on the CC line of an email, but they put the chief financial officer before the chief operations officer. And somehow this is literally the worst thing that's ever happened. So here you you have an extreme example. And I, and I tell this one because, I've seen this type of thing happen at this level of pettiness, candidly. It's like, how is, this, how is this a threat to the organizational structure? You're dealing with people whose offices are next to each other in a C-suite. You go to that corner, their offices are right next to each other. How did putting one before the other in some CC line of an email that uh, neither one of them will probably ever read – how 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 did that threaten the entire organizational structure of the organization and a lot of times if you want to dig deeper on that you'll find that it wasn't the chief operations officer or the chief financial officer that was bothered by which order they were in the cc line it was somebody in middle management that wanted to show that they're on top of things who raised the issue yes that's
2: Invest. now we're, we're, we're going somewhere else. But yes, yeah, so I, I mean, I mean, that, that's, I, a per, I, that's a personality, yeah. right? I, I, I mean, have a, I mean, I,
1: I, I have friends who are both CFOs and I have friends who are COOs are or have been. And I can tell you one thing that about 95% of them have in common is that they had somebody else to filter their email And clean out their inbox except for the stuff that they themselves actually needed to read. For the rest rest of it, their own assigned administrative assistant was already authorized and empowered to respond on their behalf without checking with them on all routine matters and had the authority to delegate others in the organization to deal with it rather than it landed on on that CSXO's desk to begin with. So some administrative assistant putting the CFO before the COO. I can guarantee you the CFO or the COO never even saw that email because their own assistant handled it beforehand.
2: Adam, I and, since, and since since
1: and mm-hmm. since it was on the CC line, they probably just <laughs> read it, nodded, and deleted.
2: That's and did not give it a second thought.
1: Right. Go but ahead. Then- you got and one yeah, for me. You got one for yeah, me, and I want to talk about
2: and then I, I want to talk. About then, career, talk
1: about, yeah, tell me this, yes. and then I want to talk about. I just want to give our readers a preview. Then I want to talk about the strings.
2: Okay, so I early in my career, to 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 your point here, I remember I process a membership, a corporate membership invoice. Yeah, and usually it will go to my direct manager for approval. But because I did not know in the system, there was a glitch in the system that anything that was tagged corporate membership went straight to the CEO. And just to give you an idea, um, this company have over 15,000 employees. Okay. So large company. And it, when it went to the CEO, he then cc me, he emailed the president and said, hey, could you take a look at this before I actually approve it? But then when I saw that, when I came in in the morning, I wrote to both of them and I said, oh, there appears to be a glitch in the system. It looks like it went from me directly to you all, but I'll handle it to have my manager take a look at it. So they, the CEO actually sent me a smiley face and was like, great, have a wonderful day.
1: Hey, remember yeah. we were taught never use smiley faces and emails because that was yeah. so unprofessional.
2: Yeah, how about that? He said, And he and here and here,
1: and here and here you're giving me a little uh you're giving me a little surprise happy ending story. Yes. And you're showing you're showing somebody who's evolved enough to use emoticons, excuse it, me, emojis. Correct.
2: Emojis, yeah. yes. I remember
1: them when they were called emoticons. Yeah.
2: Yes, well, me too. Yeah. And so he sends me a smiley face, nowhere we, like great, have a great day. That's that. So it was only three of us, the CEO, the president, and myself in that email chain. However, when it hit from the senior VP to the VP to the GM to the director, down to the section manager, it became, oh my goodness, this should never have happened. If this happened again, somebody's going to be looking for another job. And I was like, he's okay. And I showed the email. He's fine. You guys, you know, you know, are a little twisted here. And then like everyone came down, but it goes back to, it's a personality and is, it's, it's a personality and it comes to middle management, making a huge deal about something that the people at on top have not even given a second thought to. It's not like the payment went out. You just said, hey, take a look at this. You know, just give me a thumbs up before I go ahead and approve it. So, yes, I have experienced that, yep. Adam. I, I experienced it personally.
1: That participation points where uh, we grade our kids in school based on how many times they raise their hand. Well, Mm -hmm. that's what happens in the workplace. That's what happens in meetings. In meetings, people ask questions which everybody already knows the answer just so that they can be seen as participating. (laughs) And they will spend 13 minutes at the end explaining how they have nothing else to add so that their voice can be heard and they can be visible and front-facing. Because if they don't, somebody else that's rating them on participation points because they believe they're supposed to rate them on participation points will say, I heard you were listless in that meeting and didn't contribute. And you know
2: and, and at some point
1: and and, and, and that's what and, and then take that one step further with these middle managers, directors uh, vice presidents of the vice presidents and all that, it's the same it's the same thing. Uh, I actually, don't blame any of them, and I'll, tell you, and I'll tell you why that is. I mean, maybe some of them really were jerks and deserve to be blamed. I don't know. But on the surface, based on the data you've shown me, it's that same thing. It's that participation points culture and that fear that somebody's going to come around to them some point, maybe even three years later, and say, why didn't you act on that email? It's- Where was your leadership? <laughs> Why didn't you say something? Where was your involvement in statistical process control? Where was your quality management? Yeah, is is and
2: what's driving that? Right? What is driving that fear? What is driving that? And I think that is something that a person would really have to look look within. And um,
1: it gets even it in, gets even better. Yeah, it's gets even better. In most cases, they have nothing to fear. But something has given them a reason to believe they have something to fear, because in, in, mo- in most organizations Absolutely. and organizations I've ever worked for or consulted for or anything like that, people were too busy for that shit.
2: I agree. <laughs> so true. Oh yeah. my gosh! So true. So true. So true. Adam, you're you, you're really excited. You're you're really exciting me here because Arr. it goes back to being genuine. It's like people end up becoming consumed in their head. This is why public speaking is the number one fear, right? Yeah, of course. It's people, the, the second fear is death. So somebody would rather die than to stand in front of a crowd to do a speech. Why? Because they become consumed in their heads thinking, I don't want to make a fool of myself. I don't want to look stupid. Oh, I don't want people to think I'm a fraud right? and not know what it is that I'm talking about. And it's all in their heads where there is an audience sitting there waiting to hear, genuinely hear what it is that you have to share. And the person that has that fear becomes so consumed with all this self talk this negative Uh self-talk that's not even real and guess what so what if you bomb out in the words of thomas edison he said i am not a failure i just found ten thousand ways that do not work okay of course that did sharia that didn't work go to now get up go to the next one and that's what um resiliency is all about it's about the bounce back and recover it is not the end of the world there are two days that we cannot do anything about yesterday and tomorrow we have to stay in the present
1: well and you know if you bomb on stage I I was giving a presentation at a seminar once and I went for a line it got no reaction whatsoever <laughs> and so I said I said folks in the words of that great public servant, thespian, and all-around golfer, John Edward Bush, please clap. <laughs> and uh, and they and they and they laughed and clapped because I was going for an applause line and I missed it. So I just came out and acknowledged I missed the line.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and once. And how about this? Someone asked me what my pronouns are. And I said, "Oh, I don't go by pronouns. I go by adjectives. Call me wonderful, magnificent, and beautiful."
1: <laughs> we have a we have an episode on Business Creators Radio. Um, I believe it's called "From Cancel Culture to Conversation Culture," where mm-hmm. we get into the pronoun thing in a lot of detail. There's a quite a history to where mm-hmm. all this stuff actually comes from. Uh, but you know, there's two ways to look at pronouns. On the one, it's people seeking their own self-identification and looking to break free or get out of predetermined roles that others are imposing upon them. And that's something I'll always support. On the other hand, absolutely,
2: on absolutely. the other hand,
1: like uh, like all good things eventually, eventually ca- get, like what happens to all good things eventually when uh, corporate policies or po- politicians get involved is it becomes bastardized and st- just really ridiculous
2: right and i i am a supporter and i'm i'm you know this and this was my humor in a sense of let me tell you what i stand by i stand by adjectives you know well well, magnificent
1: yeah that's well that's you identifying uh Mm -hmm. and according to the rules of this you should be honored on that
2: i agree see
1: see see (laughs) uh, see, tell you tell you very briefly um my understanding of the whole pronoun thing began in the 1980s when I was in grade school at a private Catholic school. So I'm already setting three different stages here. And we were taught that unless you know for sure whether it's a man or a woman, use the they them pronouns. Yes. This was partially in response to something that was going on at the time is we had a significant influx of Asian Americans who had names like kim and lee which right. you know could to be from a or you know, from a you know Correct. could be either or
2: either or and
1: uh that yeah. and then and then there was that that and that fable that went around at the time where the boy uh yeah where the boy uh i, I guess he was in a wreck with his dad or something and then he went to the hospital and uh and the, the, and the doctor said, oh, don't worry, the kid will be fine. Why? Because he's my son. And the, I, I'm getting that all wrong, but I do know the point of it was is, oh, the doctor was his mother. Yeah, that's right. Women can be doctors too.
2: Yes. See, our yes. society yes. has
1: evolved very quickly in a very short period of time where I still have active memory that the idea that a woman could be a doctor is still something that had to be explained to people. Now it's something that most of us don't even think about. It's you like, think of course a woman it. can be a doctor. Like, why would she? It's silly to think she wouldn't be.
2: Correct. Well, I, I live in, I you know, my career, mostly a male-dominated area. Of, yeah. I worked throughout, although my, my background is business development, I've been 25 years in the world of engineering. So for maybe for the, the first two companies I worked at, I was the only female and the only person of color
1: that's that's and, like that's like a that's like a double yeah-huh yeah
2: I was a unicorn uh-huh. but it was mag- it was fantastic. I wouldn't change it you know but now what's wonderful is that you know we're with the stem programs that's being uh-huh. pushed over the last couple of years to really have females come into these 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 areas of con- concentration. But yes, absolutely. Yeah. And we're talking only we're talking nineteen ninety-two, ninety-three. Uh-huh. To be and then when I transferred to another um company in two thousand four, my and my department, same thing, still the only female. And and, and it happens. But now is to your point, can a woman be adopted? You
1: don't think twice about it? I've I don't think her. I don't think once about it. A woman could be a lawyer. Yeah. Right. I mean, lawyer could be the judge, lawyer could be yeah, the DA. I
2: mean, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: a lawyer could also be my dentist, could be my uh, my dermatologist, could be my absolutely. could be my hypnotherapist. I mean, it could be anyone. It's like this, like this like this like this it just isn't even something I think about.
2: Right. I agree. I agree. I
1: yeah. Agree. And what I mean, what I mean by don't think about it is the idea that gender could preclude somebody from having a certain position. Is something I think of being as so ridiculous that for anybody to actually advocate for that, they might want to think about what century they're in. Yeah, so a, I'm very happy that our uh, society is involved there. You're
2: preaching to the choir here, exactly. Yeah, well, you I'm, and I both. You and I both stand on that soapbox.
1: Yeah. All <laughs> right. So we have. Uh, so we've actually covered just about all of your points here. I think here, we covered except, everything except one, pretty much, except for one. Is there for one? 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 Is there if, another? We didn't do it in order. Uh, You know that phrase, no strings attached? Is there such a thing? You wanted me to ask you that question.
2: Well, I think we kind of covered it. Covered it again, I can't remember. Is that um, there is such a thing as no strings attached. And this is what we were talking about earlier with not living a life of quid pro quo. Yeah. What we talked about with the Connect Four, with going down vertically, like, becoming intentional and in looking back giving back for me Adam when i meet like I, like i i work mostly with professional women when i am when i meet another woman there has never ever been a woman that i could not identify with right. either one she represented where i am right now she represents or either represented where i want to be and she could could have even represented if it wasn't for a certain grace and mercy where i could have been had certain things not aligned so because of that i can find and identify pieces of myself in each person that i meet to authentic, uh, authentically connect and be in real relationship and have a real genuine conversation.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So hey, uh, I I think it's fantastic. And we've covered a lot of things like creating authentic and meaningful connections. The net weaving thing, I love that. Uh, Building strong alliances, paying it forward. This has been a wealth of knowledge. So what I want to do now as we wrap up here is invite our listeners to visit your website, which is at shesoars.com. S-H-E-S-O-A-R-S, shesoars.com. And there you're going to find all kinds of great information. You'll, uh, you'll see uh, knowledge about this program. And basically, uh, basically, this is a program that helps people with the new economy. And it's really there to help women, in particular, identify blind spots to create barriers to their success. You'll see events that are coming up. You'll see opportunities to get involved in some of the things that we've discussed today and so much more. I encourage you to check it out. It's actually a really fun website, and I love the sort of the pizzazz that's behind it, especially when I go to the bottom widgets, and one of them says the 411. Give me the 411, as my cat would say, right meow. So with that, Sharia Stallings, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, in education.
2: Thank you so much, Adam. It was a pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.
0: We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show.